You're listening to the Secret Muse Society, where we pull out the things we keep hidden about ourselves. What are the secrets that actually hold us back from the connection we crave? And what happens when we tap into the inspiration we have to offer the world? I'm your host, authenticity coach, Karen Choi. Let's dive in together. Hello, Muse. This is Karen. I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to episode 37, A Change is Coming. I had a really hard time. I struggled with what to call this episode because it's going to be a vulnerable one, kind of unconventional. And the fact that, well, actually, maybe this podcast is totally unconventional in that I don't always bring polished ideas here. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. In this case, I'm not. I often use this podcast as a way to connect with you in my present moment. I bring to the table things that I'm thinking about, ideas that are actually quite raw. And selfishly, because thinking out loud helps me formulate my ideas, helps me to articulate my thoughts, to actually see what's happening up in my brain with hopes that this kind of experimental, in-the-flow process draws you in and helps you as well. I really don't know. Actually, it's hard. One thing that's really hard about this podcast is actually not having immediate feedback. You know, when you're in a conversation with someone, you can see their, you can read their body language, you can look at their eyes, you can tell if they're paying attention to you or if they've gotten distracted by something else. You can tell if they're uncomfortable in the way that they hold their body. You can tell them if, you can tell if they're really interested because they're nodding, they're leaning in, they're giving you like those visual cues or even auditory cues. They're saying, "Mm -hmm, I hear you. And in a podcast, it's, it's tricky, especially in a solo cast where it's just me talking with you and not really knowing who's out there, who's listening, what this means to you, if it means anything. And I mean, I'm here hoping that what I share is connecting with you, is inspiring you, is calling you to adventure and authenticity, to your higher potential to your, to the awe, to your awesome and amazingness, whatever it is that you're working towards. (sighs) So a change is coming in that I've been thinking a lot about where this podcast is going and how I'm using it to connect with you. How am I using it to grow my business? How I'm using it to create and explore new ideas. I started it, this podcast, almost a year ago, and the original intent was to have an episode every week. And at one point, we had a paired back. Does pair back, is that the right term? I had to dial back to an episode a month. And we're at this kind of like turning point where 
this podcast is still very important in my personal journey, but I really, I don't know where it is in terms of impact for you. So I hope you listen to this full episode to see where I'm going. I know many of you listening are here to just support my journey, which I so appreciate, but I would love to hear your feedback, especially at this junction. A change is coming. It's December 2022, and I like to really reflect over the past year during this time. I like to look forward into the next year, into what I have planned. And just thinking about the year of 2022, I think it's been very much, when we think of it as seasons, it's been a winter kind of season where I have in many ways been quite low-key, hibernating and sleeping and resting in a way that is restorative so that in the spring, which I feel like 2023 is for me is going to be a very spring kind of year. There's going to be a lot of new growth and building and blooming and budding and I'm feeling the energy of it. And that's kind of where all this juncture of seeking change is. The Secret Muse Society podcast is for the muse who is coming out of hiding and really pulling away the veils that cover our authentic selves, that hide our true core. It's kind of like, hide under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Trimming away the bushel. Oh gosh, that's a strange, <laughs> that's a strange metaphor. But you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure you might shave away the bushel, right? What am I doing? Okay, my dears, I'm just going to get right to it. A change is coming, and it is this. In this winter season, what has become clear to me through the gifts of the people who have come into my life, the clients that I have been working with, the opportunities that I have been open to and I've taken and explored, one of the struggles that I've really had since starting my coaching journey is who am I here to serve? What is my purpose? What do I have to offer? What kind of change can I make? And it always came back to who. Dear Muse, you are a who. You are those who inspire me. And I'm not saying no to you but I'm also letting you know that I'm focusing my journey, focusing my service and my energy more, and it feels really aligned and full circle. And it all comes back to the symphony, my first love. And in this episode, I want to tell you a little bit about why the symphony is my first love and how it relates to the change that is coming. Now, if you're not into classical music, I'd like you to think about the symphony not as just classical music, like the big Beethoven symphonies and Mahler and like serious, serious music that could be boring or put you to sleep. I get it. 
it doesn't resonate with everyone. There is music out there that does not resonate with me. For example, country music. I don't really love alternative rock. Just I find it jarring. And maybe even some soca. I'm sorry, my soca friends. I can listen to soca like one or two songs, but really that's as much as my body can handle. I find it very rattling. And so I get it. If orchestral music, classical music isn't your jam, I totally get it. But at the same time, I would hope that you could be open-minded with what I'm going to share with you today, because this really speaks to, I think, some ideas that I have coming up. So the symphony, specifically the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, is really important to me. And the world of classical music and the world of the performing arts as a full sector, you know, music, dance, opera, theater, musical theater, spoken word, mixed media, digital kind of projects that bring all of these crafts and art forms together, the performing arts where people are performing. <laughs> with their bodies and their hearts and expressing, oh my gosh, it just, it, I just ooze for it. So the Toronto Symphony Orchestra was my first job coming out of college. First, I went to university. I went to the University of Waterloo for economics. I know if anyone, if you know me really well, we'll probably dive into this one day, but can you believe I have an economics degree? <laughs> Somehow, by miracles, miracles happen. I, I graduated with an economics degree. And then a year later, I went to Humber College for an arts administration and cultural management certificate. Coming out of that program, my very first gig was at the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. As their marketing coordinator, I handled the house program, which is that booklet that you get when you enter the concert hall, which tells you what music is playing, has some program notes about the pieces of music that you're hearing, has biographies about the artists that you're seeing, notes from the music director about why that the, the program that he put together or she put together, mostly he's, and that's another part of this conversation is the artistic vision behind it. You know, it has stories about the orchestra and whatnot. So I was responsible for producing, editing the house programs. That was my project, an editorial project. It was got me into writing, editing magazines. It was just a dream. It was a dream job. And the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, well, symphonies in general, they're important to me because I got that job. And that job told me that dreams come true. Because years before I got that job, I was sitting in that concert hall, and I can't remember what concert I was enjoying. And I was flipping through that concert program, and I flipped to the back where they have the listing of the staff members. And I looked through that list and I envisioned my name on that list that day. And I said, you know, sitting in that hall, I was like, one day my name is going to be on this list. I don't know how, 
but I'm going to work here at the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. So that's why the Toronto Symphony Orchestra has a very, very special place in my heart because every time I think about it, it was my first dream job. I know that dreams come true and I will not ever give up on that. I have been singing When You Wish Upon a Star all my life. You know that tune from Pinocchio? And I have been wishing on stars, you know, starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight, I wish I wish, I wish I might have this wish I wish tonight. I've been wishing on stars ever since I was a kid and I wished for a dream at the Toronto Symphony Orchestra and it happened. So that is why the Toronto Symphony Orchestra has a special place in my heart. That's reason number one. I have three reasons. Reason number two, it is where I found my people. And this, I had been, wow, I didn't expect that. The Toronto Symphony Orchestra has a special place in my heart because that is where I found my people. I started that job when I was 25. And for 25 years, I had friends come and go in my life. And I never really felt that seen and heard and understood. And when I stepped into the office at 212 King Street West at the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, and I was greeted by Liz, who is the public relations manager at the time, and she just, you know, Liz in all her glory welcomed me and commented on my outfit and said I was a hot girl, <laughs> welcomed me to the crew. And I met who are now my very, very dear friends. Shall I list your, say your names out loud? Yes, because I listen. And my very, very best friends, Kate, Lisa, Natasha, Biata, I found my people. And I'm, and I'm not discounting the people that I had known before, but these are the people who are in the performing arts, doing the things that I wanted to do, that I aspired to do. You know, I have my beautiful friends from when I was at Waterloo. Shout out to Anna and Ophelia, who are like soul sisters, kindred spirits, my bosom buddies. When I went to the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, I found a different kind of people people who were very different from me, who had come from very different backgrounds. And yet we clicked because we worked so well together. We had so much fun. We learned so much. And like, they were just, we were all, we all had a passion for the orchestra and the performing arts and the incredible musicians that put out the music. And we had so much fun marketing concerts it's, we ran that place. <laughs> we ran that place at Roy Thompson Hall. You know, being backstage, putting together these events, it was just like glory years for three years. And so that's why, that's my number two reason why the Toronto Symphony Orchestra is so important to me. My third reason why the Toronto Symphony Orchestra specifically is so important to me, but overall, live orchestral music experience. It's not just about classical music. It is the live orchestral music experience, when you enter a hall and sit in your seat, the stage is lit and the audience is dark, there isn't much to see, right? Like the orchestra could implement some things and that's something I'll get into later, but really you, from where you sit, you, you, don't, you can't really see faces, you can't really see the details, you see the instruments, but really it is very much a listening 
experience. Although I do keep my eyes open and I watch. I love to watch the musicians. I love to see who is playing and when. And I love looking at the percussions. I love all those funny symbols and things they knock around. There was one concert I recently went to. They were popping bubble wrap as part of the percussion section. It's brilliant. But in the concert hall, when the music, when the orchestra is playing, if there is a soloist, I'm totally visually enthralled, but also musically. It just takes you on this journey of emotions. And in a symphony concert is where I, as a young woman, as a young girl, I remember going to Toronto Symphony Concerts when I used to be in grade school. We got to go as part of the education and outreach program. We were there as as student concerts. And I remember being in there in total awe of the power of the music, seeing, uh, you know, over 50 musicians, individual people come together and play together and create one sound. And yet you can also hear individual sounds. You could still see individuals and a big mass as a collective delivering something. I just felt that was so powerful. And as a member of the audience, I can sit there and just the music, the experience, there's something about it. It feels like it's from God. It's so beautiful. It's a direct connection. And for me, my, my, my soul awakens. It's kind of like, you know, when I found my people, it's like a part of you wakes up and you know that you belong. Or when I got my job at the Toronto Symphony, dreams come true. You just know that there's a bigger purpose and a bigger picture. And you just connect with that in the concert hall when you hear a piece of music when you see musicians come together and work together to create something beautiful. Oh, these, I'm gushing for 20 minutes about this and all of this to say the change that is coming is my love and passion for the performing arts, specifically live orchestral experiences, opera, musical theater, dance, ballet. This is the change where I want to apply myself to. I want to see change in this performing arts sector right now. They're talking about post-pandemic. The performing arts sector is in, in, is in an audience crisis. Before the pandemic, audiences were dwindling. And now after the pandemic, audiences haven't even come back to the levels that they were before the pandemic. And so there's, there's a real threat to the performing arts sector. And it's not to say that people aren't going out or spending money because people are. They're going to all the big concerts in the stadiums and they're having fun in all kinds of experiential, immersive, interactive types of places. And the performing arts sector is struggling And I think it's really scary and really exciting because it's at this pivotal time, just like I'm kind of at this pivotal time in my coaching career, in my business, where it is time to pivot. It's time to take some risks because where, when else can we do it? If we don't do it now, then when? And so the change, my friends, is... In this podcast, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but it's, we're not going to be solo casting. I have ideas of bringing in 
musicians, singers, producers, directors. I don't know who will talk to me. What will we talk about? These are still ideas that I'm rolling around my head. And I know that this is kind of unconventional coming in and telling you these unpolished things. And I should just do it and show you what I'm going to do instead of telling you what I'm going to do. But I really need this step as part of my process of kind of stepping into it before I do it. You know, it kind of saying it out loud makes it more real, gets me more excited. It creates that intrinsic motivation and that fighting warrior spirit. It ignites the lover in me because I'm talking about why these elements are so important to me. And so I want to serve performing artists and arts leaders who want to connect with the audiences. I I can see myself as being a bridge between artists and audiences, as a bridge between arts administrators and their artists and their audiences and creating those connections and inviting you, if you're an audience member, perhaps to come in and learn more about classical music from perhaps whatever perspective I can offer you, whether it is of mindfulness, building awareness, connecting to your heart, building our listening skills, tapping into our emotional intelligence, making it a spiritual experience. Classical music can facilitate that. Symphonic music, it doesn't have to just be classical, right? It could be film music. Film music touches me in a way that like when you watch a a movie, you get carried into that story and it's because of that soundtrack, right? So really about serving the artists, the arts managers, and the audiences in the performing arts sector. And seeing where we go, I will be here as a coach, a consultant, a content creator. If you're listening to this and you're getting excited, please share this episode. I don't know. Let somebody in your life know if another artist or arts administrator connect them with me. I don't think that coaching from a life coaching perspective has been, okay, let's just say it. The performing arts is a little bit slow. It's kind of behind. It's like an ancient art form and it hasn't really evolved with the times. And that's why I'm so excited to be a part of it, to create the change because the change is coming. We have to make the change. Thank you for listening to this blathering on It Does Help Me to think out loud with you and to know that somebody out there is listening. Strange, but true, conventional, in unconventional podcasting. Yeah. But hey, I'm here for the journey. I love the process. I love to follow your process. That's why I love being a coach. I love to support you on your journey. And I just want to thank you for supporting me on mine. This past year, I've worked with performing artists, conductors, singers, musicians, arts leaders, program designers. And I'm so excited for 2023 and the impact that we can make. It's really about making the people on the stage, those in the audience, and those who have yet to experience, feel seen, cared for, validated, acknowledged, welcome, so that you feel like you can belong that this is, n- this is an art form for everyone to enjoy. And the art form offers a door, a gateway, a bridge for us each to connect with a part of ourselves that perhaps we haven't yet. And I'm really excited to bring that forward. Thank you so much, Muse, for listening. Again, this is Karen 
reach out to me by email, karen at karenchoy.co, which is karenchoy.co, or find me on Instagram, karenchoy.co, karenchoy.co. <laughs> it's the same handle here and there and everywhere. I love you. And I'm just going to leave you with a little song. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Anything your heart desires Will come to you If your heart is in your dream No request is too extreme When you wish upon a star As dreamers do Fate is kind She brings to those who love The sweet fulfillment of Their secret longing Like a bolt out of the blue Fate steps in and sees you through When you wish upon a star Your dreams come true Thank you for listening to the Secret Muse Society. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review this podcast so other modern muses like you can find us too. I invite you to continue the conversation and connect with me on Instagram at karenchoy.co. Join me next week for more secrets inspired by you. I'm Karen Choi. Until next time, stay gold.